0: Welcome to the Twin Cities Apologetics podcast. Twin Cities Apologetics is a ministry which equips Christians with resources to help them strengthen and defend their faith. I'm your host, Jeremy Lynn, and today I'm joined by Hilary Ferrer of Mama Bear Apologetics as we discuss how to talk about tough topics with your kids. Hope you enjoy the show. I'm Jeremy Lynn here with Hilary Ferrer. Uh, it's great from you to join me today. Uh, excited to talk about this topic of how parents can best talk to their kids about mm-hmm. some of the hardest topics out there in our culture.
1: Yes, thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, your origins? Because <laughs> you have this book out that just came out, you know, pretty recently. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm just curious to hear how that process all came about of you having the passion for this sort of thing.
1: Well, uh, so I've been involved with apologetics since I was about 12. I remember the the first series that my pastor did on that, and I, I was just hooked from the beginning, and so it's kind of been a lifelong love affair uh, with that. But I'd kind of gotten away from apologetics. I was in the arts for uh, quite some time. Um, after my husband and I got married, uh, I started working with a group called uh, Women in Apologetics, and they brought to my attention that there was a whole demographic of women who would not read something unless it was written by women for women. Mm. And so I thought, well, golly, we don't have much in that sense going on for apologetics and, and more specifically for moms that I find a lot of times moms, I just, even more than just being women, moms are this, this, the own demographic. And so, um, I just had the phrase mama bear going through my head for mm. just weeks and weeks and weeks at a time until... Um, I just finally started writing down a bunch of ideas, and um, that was kind of how the ministry started. And then after a couple years in ministry, we were approached by Harvest House to write a book. Hmm. And I looked at all the books that were currently out there on the market, and I saw them answering a lot of specific questions, which I think is absolutely important. You need to answer the specific questions, but I wanted to go a step deeper and say, where are these questions coming from? Because they're not coming from a vacuum. These questions are coming from somewhere. So... Uh, we started looking at what is going on in culture that's actually creating the questions um, and see if we could cut those off at the past before they really got bad uh, and before they, they became these like life-faith-altering questions. Right. Could we address the worldview underneath it before that happened? And if so, could we talk to parents about how to establish that really firm foundation of a Christian biblical worldview uh, before these questions even become an issue?
0: Hmm, that's, yeah, it's that's really cool. And it's really seeing that need and being mm-hmm. able to run towards it. Yes. Yeah. How would you say you went about the book in terms of the format and choosing how am I going to present this material in there?
1: Mm-hmm. So uh, I knew immediately I wanted to make it a group project because mm-hmm. uh, I think Mama Bear is it's about our, our, you know, we say it over and over again. We are all in this together. I think women mm-hmm. want to work together. And so um, I kind of, I, I sketched out several different ideas, and I'd say the one that we ended up going with was probably my first main idea, but then I thought, well, maybe I should pitch a couple different ideas to the ladies, see what resonates with them, um, but ultimately we went back to kind of like that first idea that I hammered out. We, we went through several of the isms, we call them the isms, um, of which are the main cultural lies that we're dealing with right now, and try to say which ones fit together in the book, which ones are the most Prevalent that we see going on which ones are actually causing these questions and like Natasha Crane has a book out called um, She has one called keeping your kids on God's side and then she uh, From that one she has three more that are coming out uh, her second one's about to be released But it's going through all of the specific questions So I actually even looked at the questions and tried to diagram out What is the worldview underneath this question? Mm-hmm. and so uh, just kind of with the, all, all the ladies that were involved in the, the group project um, talking over Skype, we really kind of hammered out our vision for this and then divvied up the chapters and started writing.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really valuable way of looking at things, whether it's men or women, of mm-hmm. uh, working together yes. as a body of Christ. And that could be different areas, too. It could be apologetics, maybe evangelism groups or people can get together and work together to uh, tackle that yep. specific area. So I think that's great that yeah you had a mindset of being able to bring people together to work on this all yes. at the same time. That's the goal. That's really cool. So let's uh, turn then to uh, some content in the book and also uh, practical steps for parents to take to be able to talk to their kids. Because uh, I'm sure everyone is aware of certain cultural you know, shifts yes. that have happened in the last few years. It's been kind of crazy. And I, I, I'm not a parent <laughs> myself. I could imagine. The conversations that would have to be had. Yeah. Especially kids going into public school and all the things that they can hear and be exposed to there. Yes. I mean, not
1: even just in school, just in stuff that's making its way into cartoons.
0: Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's... Again, I just couldn't couldn't imagine what that would be like. So with that in mind, I think it's good that we talk about how parents can start to think about these challenges that are out there and how Mm -hmm. they can raise their kids up in light of these things being present. Yes. So let's start with some uh, kind of general principles first. You have this... Acronym called ROAR. Yes. Uh, which is a really cool, like, <laughs> like yeah. kind of a uh, concept that way. But uh, I know there's a lot of uh, truth in that, too. So, mm-hmm. can you explain that uh, acronym what that means?
1: Yeah. So, the fun story behind that one is it actually started out as the six Ds, but then none mm-hmm. of us could remember them. And we're like, okay, we got to <laughs> simplify this. Right. If we can't remember it, nobody else is going to remember. Yeah. Um, and so, Julie Loos was the one that really helped out with it. She's so good with acronyms, she mm-hmm. has a marketing background. So we, we, we took all those concepts and we tried to put it into something that was easier to remember. So the ROAR method stands for recognize the message, offer discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and then reinforce through discussion, discipleship, and prayer. Hmm. And so the first thing for, uh, for recognizing the message is you have to basically be paying attention that you have a message that's being fed to you. Mm-hmm. You have... Uh, qualities that are being elevated of what is what is the good life what does moral mean the concept of moral is itself changing um of you know if you hurt someone's feelings or if you offend someone that is being termed almost immoral beyond anything that we ever see in scripture so you know what uh, so you got first got to recognize the message and then offer discernment i think this is the most important step um because I, I, I taught the parents today at the conference about how to do this. This is ideas. You always have truth and lies that are kind of come together. Most uh, lies are wrapped in partial truths because nobody would believe it if they weren't. Right. So you have to take this idea No, know it's going to be a combination of the tr- uh, the two. got to separate mm-hmm. the good from the bad, accept the good, reject the bad. Yeah. And this is something you can do with kids because you say, okay, we've got an idea. What are we going to do? We're going to the good, the bad, accept the good, reject the bad. And so you can actually take kids through this step. Uh-huh. Um, but the reason why we want to, we need to separate the good from the bad because we need to recognize that there is probably something good, even if it's just the motives of the person, we need to acknowledge that there's something good that they are trying to achieve. No mm. one tries to just blatant, well, I won't say no one, I'm sure people out there do that. There are mm. people that really want to lie to people, but... For the most part, your average person is not trying to say, I want to believe a lie or I'm trying to propagate a lie. They have something that they think is true. So we need to recognize what is that truth that they are, what's that kernel of truth that they are grasping on. And now let's separate from what is the lie that is basically wrapped around that. So we teach our kids that you can't just go on autopilot, that you need to be analyzing every single idea, looking for both the good and the bad accepting the good because we don't want to accidentally reject something true just because there's a lie attached. And we don't want to reject, uh, we don't want to um, accept something false just because there's a truth involved. Right. And unless they know you constantly need to separate these things, Uh, like the original subtitle for the book was uh, 12 cultural lies and how to keep your kids from swallowing them. Mm -hmm. But then we went down to 11 and that was just an awkward number. So, But yeah, so it's like these lies that that kids are swallowing because they don't know how to, again, separate the good from the bad, accept the good, reject the bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a great visual there. Uh, Something to remember, yeah.
1: Oh, and the last two, sorry. Uh, So uh, argue for a healthier approach. We're actually taking what are the good motives, Mm -hmm. what are the good ideas, what is that kernel of truth that's being grasped, and saying, how does a biblical... person. solution to this problem actually solve the problem in a better way than secular answers mm-hmm. and so it's it's acknowledging what they're trying to achieve and saying hey we're going to get on board let's let's achieve this goal together um here's a way that i think actually addresses it better argue for a healthier approach and then reinforce through discussion discipleship and prayer that you can talk till you're blue in the face but until you're practicing this with your kids um it's not going to sink and uh like really sink in deep And if you're not praying through these ideas, because I talk about the idea when you have something that's just surely ideological, where it's just a bad idea that's crept in versus you have a spiritual stronghold. Um, In my experience, what I have found to be a good tell is when there's something completely irrational, like this person is completely irrational, it's not making sense, or this idea just doesn't make sense, that you have a spiritual stronghold there and you can't argue your way out of a spiritual stronghold, you need to pray. And so if we think we can just talk about it or we just pray about it, I think both of those are, are missing out on the fullness of um, our role that God has given us in society to, to help basically slow the decay in, in, in our culture.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of people online or elsewhere saying, oh, I'm going to convert this person, uh. something like that. Yeah, it's like, well, first of all, God's the one to convert people. <clears throat> yeah, so, good but, luck with that. <laughs> right, exactly. But also there's so many factors involved in one spiritual journey. Yes. It's not just a matter of, oh, I'm going to convince this person intellectually of this particular thing, yeah. and that's going to cause them to go this direction. And
1: it's not going to happen over Twitter. Like, I have yeah. seen this happen. My husband actually had a guy that um, he was on a panel discussion where he had two atheists and two, uh, two Christians that were having discussions. And he was able to answer the questions in such a winsome way that this guy started asking him to meet for lunch. Mm. And so he very slowly went from being an atheist to an agnostic. Mm. And then for a few more months they met and he went from being an agnostic to a deist and then met for a few more months and then a deist to a theist. And now he goes to our old church Wow! Uh, and he's a committed Christ follower. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, but that was, I mean, at least a year or two worth of conversations. Mm -hmm. And so this idea that this is going to happen on Facebook and Twitter, it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, You need to be in that for the long haul. If you're going to Mm -hmm. be using apologetics as a conversion method, you need to be in it for the long haul. Mm. In my opinion, the most effective use of apologetics is for preventing people from leaving the church who already believe. Mm -hmm. And basically all the things that are trying to undermine that faith, cutting those off at the pass. That is where I think apologetics is most effective. But I can say that I have seen it work. Like like we said through the evangelistic method, but um, but again, you're in it for the long haul for mm-hmm. those right. kind of conversations.
0: Yeah, right. We're going to take a quick break and then come back with specific examples mm-hmm. of how parents can talk to their kids about some topics. So thanks. Mm-hmm. I'm Jeremy Lynn back here with Hilary Ferrer. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about uh, in the first part some principles parents can use to talk to their kids about. Some tough issues, Uh, the ROAR method. ah. Yeah. So now let's go to some specific examples and see how these principles can be carried out with, with some topics. So the first, or what I'm going to do is, uh, in a sense, role play or describe a parent and the situation they might be in. Okay. Where they come to you because they, they really can't find anywhere else, anyone else to go to <laughs> and say, hey, like, what do I do about this? Yep. And, and what would your response to that be, is the okay. idea okay. we're going for. So probably these parents would have kids in public schools, okay. something like that. So the first one uh, or scenario, let's say, is a parent has their kid in seventh grade. Okay. And uh, this child comes home and starts talking about the this need to have self-love. Mm. And you know, we really need, I need, need to love myself more. And the parents like, I, I didn't really teach them that <laughs> sort of thing. Like maybe loving others and I don't know about yourself. Uh, but, you know, self-love, that, that sounds like a pretty good deal. Like that's that's needed, right? Yeah. Well, um, so, yeah, how would you re- respond to that? Like need for self-love, someone coming back with that?
1: Well, first off, I would ask them where they got this idea. I, I would ask them to define it. I think one of the key things that we can do right now because words are just being tossed around all the time is define. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? And this goes back to, was it Cocol's tactics? What, yep. what do you mean by that? Yep. Um, so first off, I would have them define what they're talking about because they could be talking about something totally innocuous. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just being aware, what is it that they're talking about in the first place? Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, you can start saying, okay, is this okay? Do I agree with this? And so if we wanted to use the Roar method with this, uh, we would say recognize the message. So maybe in recognizing the message, that is asking, what do you mean by this? Um, and then maybe kind of proposing, well, uh, scenarios for this kind of self-love. Well, what if it means that uh, you're, you're putting yourself above someone else? Mm-hmm. There are times when you need to do this. So like um, uh, I would say when it comes to health. That if a lot of times people think that they have to run themselves into the ground in order to be a good servant and that just burns out all your volunteer workforce and everything. So there is something to this. So we're, uh, we're acknowledging what is, what is the good that's in that. We need to take care of ourselves. Scripture says, and especially when it talks in, in marriage, that the man is to love his wife like he loves his own body. This carries an assumption that we love our own bodies. Right. And so if we don't know how to love our own bodies, then in some ways we won't be able to love someone else because it's like there, there is a certain amount of understanding that we treat others the way we want to be treated and we treat ourselves the way we would want to treat others. And so again, we're acknowledging all this good. but then if it turns into, okay, again, we're talking, what do you mean by that? Does this mean that uh, self-love does that? does that mean that I, oh golly, what's a good example? kind of self-worship. It's going to turn into Mm self-worship, where uh, I am at the end-all, be-all, I am perfect just the way that I am, and I need to basically convince myself that there's nothing wrong with me. That's not a good idea. So again, um, that's where we say, acknowledge the good, find the bad, accept the good. Yes, we need to be able to love ourselves, reject the bad. No, you're not God, and (laughs) you need to take up your cross and follow him. Mm Um, and then argue for a healthier approach where we can look at what is, what does scripture talk about for self-love about, you know, like, like I said, using that marriage analogy. Um, and just, uh, again, yeah, are you using scripture to say how this is good, but then just going through different scenarios and maybe when you see them doing things, asking them, okay, so how is loving yourself going to make you better in this situation? So sometimes it's like people use self-love as a way to, not actually overcome obstacles that they have, uh, and that's that's not a good form of self love. I'm right. um, saying that um, well, you know, I, I'm or or convincing themselves I'm enough. I can I can do all this myself. When mm-hmm. you know what we're we're not enough. We can't do everything ourselves.
0: Yeah. Um, I think this topic of self love is it's often coupled with the idea that oh, I need to cut out all the ne- the negative people in my life. Oh the my negative gosh. energy. Yes, I'm and, glad you brought that up. Yeah. Uh
1: huh. And, I mean, there is something to be said for having healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so like the book by Cloud and Townsend, that you've got changes that heal and boundaries. I don't know what the differences are between them. I read it back when it was changes that heal. I think it's real similar content. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that There are things where we need to have appropriate boundaries in place. And if we have someone who is, you know, a narcissist or who's manipulative, we need to have ways to where... Um, they are not basically controlling us by their actions, but we don't completely cut them out of our lives at the same time. And I think people kind of have this polarizing all or nothing that's like either kerchunk, you're gone, you know, you're gone, talk to the hand. (laughs) Um, Or I basically let you do whatever you want, and I'm going to use this this idea of this is what being a suffering servant for Christ looks like that I put up with any kind of bad treatment that someone wants to throw at me and neither of those are biblical.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so let's go to the second principle now or the scenario. And that is uh, a parent who has a kid in high school, let's say, so a sophomore. And the the students, they go to science classes and conversation with students and maybe even teachers sometimes. Uh, They seem to get this idea that people think we don't really need God and belief in God when we have science, like let's believe in science rather than God, that yeah. sort of thing, right? So uh, you know, this kid may, be, may come home and express those ideas, like, I don't know about this God thing because science is, is so reliable, something like that, right? So how would you respond to a kid coming home with those kind of ideas?
1: So there's, there's an analogy I like to use for this, and that is using a remote control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me, um, so if you, if you gave your child a remote control and you said, okay, uh, change the channel, and they changed the channel, ask them, what made that channel change? Was it you or was it the remote control?
0: I think it would be you.
1: <laughs> it's both. It's
0: both, yeah. <laughs> it's
1: both, and so I would compare science to the remote control, mm-hmm. but okay, so if I, if I were to explain everything there was to explain about electronics, and I was to explain everything there was about metallurgy and about chemicals and, and, and ions and electric, you know, everything that's going on within the gadgets of that remote control. Will that tell you how that channel got changed?
0: Uh, in some ways. No, because you no. need someone
1: to push the button. Sure, yeah. So it's this idea of you can understand um, what is happening, but we really don't understand how. Mm-hmm. Or why. And so it's like people can explain. Oh, okay, God, I could go into probably too much detail on this. Um, within biology, you see stuff um, just the way that things bond together. In chemistry, the way things bond together. There's even a whole book written um, just on the properties of water mm-hmm. and how it makes everything in life possible. The fact that it has these properties, you cannot explain it by the fact that it has these properties. How what you know? How did it get these properties in the first place? Mm-hmm. And so, basically, you have to have something uh, with building proteins. With um, I always bring everything back to proteins because I basically think with evolution, if it doesn't work with proteins, it doesn't matter if it works with anything. Yeah, else. building blocks. Yeah. Yeah. If it doesn't work on the small scale, it, it doesn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. what else you find? Yeah. Um, we can explain what is going on mm-hmm. down to the smallest detail we cannot explain why that's happening. Why are these chemicals reacting the way they do? How does the sodium and the potassium switching places actually have a a nerve fiber that that, that gets fired down? There's all these things we can say what's going on, but we don't know how it's happening. Mm -hmm. And so um, that would be to me in some ways is you have such clear evidence for a designer um, that uh, just like the punching the remote control, you need to have a mind behind changing that channel even if you don't understand how all the mechanics work. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, there's a phrase that they call non-overlapping magisteria, which I don't think is totally appropriate here. It was saying these are two separate domains. I don't think they're two separate domains, but I don't think you can discuss one without the other or else Mm -hmm. it's an insufficient explanation.
0: Yeah, so uh, put it another way, let's say science can support the idea of God's God's existence. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, there's God's existence and there's science, we have to choose one or the other uh, yeah. or else, <laughs> yeah. And
1: there's so, oh God, uh there's so many people that try to pit Christianity against science. Mm-hmm. And there are some really, uh, kids that are just committed to truth. And, and there's, I, I talked with this guy when I was first starting the ministry uh, that was saying, I, I don't understand this whole evolution thing because if this is how it happened, then I can't believe in God, but I want to believe in God, but I feel like I have to walk away mm-hmm. if I can't get this uh, explained. And I, yeah. I mean, I just had some real basic conversations with him for him to see, aha, this, these are not pitted against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a real dangerous thing to do, especially just because I think uh, it talks about in Scripture how uh, you know the, the heavens declare the glory of God and in Romans how it talks about uh, what can be known about God is plain to them through what has been made. So you have God's natural revelation and then God's special revelation. And if we say that either of those are unimportant, then we are rejecting some way that God has spoken. And I think that's just a bad idea in general.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, thank you for going through through those two scenarios. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very valuable for our parents to be thinking about those specific topics. One thing I want to ask is. Uh, you have your book out are there any other uh, resources that you recommend uh, kind of a quick resource recommendation appearance Mm -hmm. yeah
1: yeah so i would say um for kind of grades three through six elizabeth Urbanowitz has a called foundations worldview curriculum Mm -hmm. highly recommend i think if churches want to turn this into like a vbs type of thing it can work on as just a regular curriculum but i think it works really great for just kind of mini conferences we've used this for women in apologetics the last three years um, we also have, uh, let's see, uh, Deep Roots Bible, excellent, excellent curriculum, very, very thorough. Um, I would say the Awana Advocates Curriculum, uh, it, it is the most, it, it addresses all more categories than you than you can shake a stick at um and i think it's technically for high school i honestly think you can do middle school through high school for that one Mm -hmm. um so i guess those would be my uh, top three and then if you're a a parent of young children and you just want to be having some of these specific questions i recommend uh, a lot of natasha crane stuff
0: yeah for Mm -hmm. sure yeah good deal. All right, thanks for joining me, Hillary. Yeah. Uh, you know, People can, uh, of course, check out your ministry, Mama Bear Apologetics. That book is so valuable for parents as a resource. I think it will be for years, honestly. Um, thank you. And I'm excited to see the work that you're gonna put
1: out in the future. So thanks for joining me.